Well, hi and good morning, everyone. I'm Tim. Um, okay. I remember the first time I prayed for someone who needed healing. I was about eight years old. I was quite young. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have the right words. And I just simply said, Lord, heal this woman of a urinary inf infection. And I waited to see what God did. Now, she reported that the pain had subsided. And to be honest, I was shocked. She told me I had a healing gift and I didn't know what that meant. But I really liked the encouragement all the same. Now, whether or not you have the gift of healing, my invitation is for you to have an open heart and mind, an open heart and mind to understand and believe how God can use your life to be a channel for his extraordinary miracles and bring relief to those who suffer. Now, Jehovah Rapha is our God who heals. This morning, we're continuing this series on Jehovah Rapha, and today our focus is on how to pray for healing. Today, this message is for those people who call themselves Christians or call themselves Jesus followers. I particularly want you guys to focus in and lean in. Now, don't worry if you've dialed in and you're not a Jesus follower. You can relax and, you know, get a look into what healing and prayer is all about. So far in this series, we've talked about how we enter into victory in healing for ourselves, whether it's our body, our soul, or spiritual healing. But today, we're going to be talking about how to pray for others. And to begin with, we need to understand something. And I need to let you guys understand what healing means. Healing is the removing of something that is not of God and not from God. So Peter, one of the guys who walked and talked with Jesus, and chose to believe in Jesus, he kind of explains it like this. It says in Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God was with Jesus. And so it's clear that sickness and disease is not from God, and healing is restoring someone back to wholeness and health. And so this divine healing kind of like involves a supernatural act which resolves either a physical, emotional or spiritual problem. And this is where the supernatural element is actually God. God's a supernatural element in this healing. And many times it's through the act of the Holy Spirit. So today my goal for you is to equip you and encourage you to pray for the sick. I really want to encourage you to do it. Today, we're talking about a how-to, and I'm going to be covering eight principles or eight tips on how to pray. So as we navigate through these principles, you might want to take some notes or, you know, write down some things which you feel God is leading you and growing you into do. But overall, I really want to encourage you. With Jesus, you can do it. So here is a quick take on the eight principles. The first is recognize the authority of Jesus. Then pray with awareness that Jesus is in you. Pray with expecting faith. Petition prayer, that is ask God. Lay hands on the sick and remember that the Holy Spirit invites you and his power will be released when you do it. Number six is cast out the spirit of infirmity. Number seven, pray with spiritual authority. And lastly, number eight, is to put faith in action. So but before we dive into the deep parts of these eight principles, I just need to explain something. And this is something that Julie um, shared a few weeks back when she was sharing with us, and that's this. We don't rely on a formula to get a healing. We don't rely on an ordered like set of steps to see God move. 
If you've read the first four books of the New Testament in the Bible, you'll see that Jesus, there was like a unique scenario requiring healing. It was different most times. You know, it wasn't always the same. Sometimes he'd get mud and rub it in people's eyes and then other times, you know, he'd ask someone to stand up. And so there was always like a different, you know, sometimes it healed men, sometimes it healed women, sometimes it healed on the Sabbath, sometimes it was always something that was like slightly different. And so it's important to understand that there is no formula. And and really we are not the healers. It's not me, I'm not the healer. It's not you, you're not the healer when you're praying. It's not your prayer that heals people, but it's God who heals people because he is our Jehovah Rapha. So Jesus is the one who heals. And why? Because of his love and mercy and compassion for us. But we have a role to play, right? Amazingly, when we pray with faith, we become conduits for his grace. Now, I've got this little piece of like a hose here. And, you know, a hose is something where water kind of like goes in one end and out the other, right? It's something which it, it travels through. And so it's like a conduit. And in a similar way, we become conduits for this healing because, you know, Jesus to use your life to heal the sick and set the captives free. And you might be wondering, uh, wasn't healing only done in the Bible times? Well, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And this is really a key scripture for us to grow our faith in releasing miracles, knowing that Jesus does the healing and he did it back then and he's still now and that's so good. You know, at MCC, we've got story after story of healings in our Facebook prayer group. Just this week, a hospital, a hospitalised young boy was healed of a fever and he's now sleeping well and in peace. How good is that? If you think that's good, put in the chat. Jesus is the one who heals because it is God's will. This is what I need you to understand before we go into these eight tips and principles. That is, when we pray for the sick, it's not a formula, but it's a following the lead of God type thing. He is the one who heals. Jesus actually told us this after he healed a man who could not walk at the sheep gate pool. You see, in John 5, 19 to 20, the Jewish leaders were all offended because Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, right? And they're all saying, oh, that's not how it goes. You know, we've got rules about healing. But Jesus responded, and the way he responded was fascinating. He said this. He gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son does also. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. You know, prayer for healing is aligning God's will with the person who needs the healing. So praying for the sick and healing is a partnering and obeying with the Spirit of God. God loves us and shows us. So we fix our attention on him while we're praying for healing. So when we pray, we're not looking at the problem. We're not looking down at the problem. We're looking to God, okay? And we ask Holy Spirit, what are you doing? And then our prayer is in response to that. Our prayer is in cooperation with Holy Spirit, who is our helper. So now that we know there's no formula and it's primarily about following God, the will of God as he shows it to us, now we know this, are you ready for the eight tips? If you are, right, I'm ready. Put it in the chat. So the first principle 
is, or the first tip, is pray with the awareness that Jesus is inside of you. You are not alone, okay? When praying for healing, it's very important to understand we do not have the power in ourselves to heal someone. God is the one who heals in the name of Jesus and by the power of his Holy Spirit. The good news is that if you're a believer, God lives in you. So the first disciples of Christ were greatly used by God for extraordinary healings. And let's take this example in which Peter and John minister healing to a paralytic man who was asking for money. In Acts 3, 6 to 8, Peter said, Silver and God, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, hint, Jesus is inside you, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. And then he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, is what if God, of Nazareth, walk. And then instantly the man's feet and ankles become strong and he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Now, faced with such a miracle, the people reacted with great admiration to Peter and they and Peter explained, hey, hey, fellow Israelites, why is this surprising you? Why do you stare at us as if we're weird and we do it by our own power or our own godliness that we have made this man walk? Now, I want to say to you all, you guys, here is a relieving thought for you today. Healing is not by our own power and it's not by our godliness. Healing is not because we've done all these things right or, you know, we've got it right so we can now pray for healing. But it's by the Jesus Christ who is in you that the healing comes. So when we're putting this into practice, it's like this, this mindset, right? It's like as you pray, practice the presence of Jesus, intentionally directing your attention to him and becoming aware of his living presence in you. Now, principle number two is to recognise the authority of Jesus. In Luke chapter 7, we see the faith of the centurion who called out the authority in which Jesus had to heal. Now, this centurion was like a commander of a centuria, which is a Roman legion. And by the culture of the day, he should have seen Jesus as a lower class of people. But that's not what he did. In verse 7 to 8, the centurion said to Jesus, oh, actually, he sent a messenger and that person said, hey, say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers underneath me. And I get it. I tell this one go and he goes and I tell that one come and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this and he does it. So the centurion recognised the authority he had over people, and he also recognised the authority that Jesus had to heal. So in verse 9 to 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and he turned to the crowd following him. He said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel, even in the group of people who knew God, you know, through the generations. And then the men found his servant well. How cool is that? So we're recognising the authority of Jesus when we're praying. So the centurion recognised that just one word from Jesus and everything changes. Now this is faith and this is a confidence that believes sickness is under Jesus' authority and that Jesus is the boss of sickness. So when we're putting this into practice, as you pray, use the name of Jesus, the one who carries the authority, who conquered sin and death, and sickness on the cross and say, 
In the name of Jesus, be healed. Okay, principle number three is petition prayer. Ask. You know, as Christians, sometimes the last thing we do is ask God for help. It's weird. You know, the Bible verses we just read tell us about the healing of a blind man named Bartimaeus in Mark 10, 46 to 52. Bartimaeus was a blind beggar and he was told by the crowd to be quiet. In their opinion, he did not deserve to have Jesus listen to him. They were saying, shh. Now, Jesus asked him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus cared. And Jesus asked that question, what do you want me to do? Now, obviously, Jesus knew that the man standing in front of him was blind, right? So why did he ask the question? Amongst the noisy crowd, Jesus gave the blind man the opportunity to present his petition before him. So a petition prayer is a request addressed to God, Jesus, or Holy Spirit, right? So that's what a petition prayer is. So why do we... Why is it in our nature, you know, that we don't ask God for help? Whether it's because we've asked in the past and not seen healing or because we've feel or because we simply just forget and default to asking a doctor or, you know, trying to solve it that way, maybe it's this. Maybe it's because we think he's not listening. Maybe that's why we don't ask God for help. But First John 5.14 says this. It says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. You know, the truth is that when we pray, we also affirm our submission and our dependence on God. Asking is putting our faith in action because we're willing to kind of put it out there and trust him for the outcome. So the practical tip is this. When praying for someone in need of healing, pray and ask for a miracle. Jesus is still asking those in need, what do you want me to do for you? And we are the conduit to see miracles released, right? So we can say, what do you want Jesus to do for you? Principle number four is to pray with expecting faith. This is probably one of the biggest ones. Many times Jesus healed people in response to their faith. You know, this doesn't mean that he is not sovereign, but rather that in his sovereignty, he has decided to respond to our faith in certain situations. So in the case of the woman who's been subject to bleeding for 12 years, we see a great example of healing by faith. You've got to check out her frame of mind. In Mark 5.28 it says, because she thought, this is what she thought, this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years, right? If I touch his clothes, I'll be healed. And that is what expectant faith looks like. It's a confidence that just one touch changes everything. Jesus' response was, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So, you know, biblical faith is grounded in the understanding of what God's will is expressed in his word. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith grows in our hearts as a response to the understanding of what God's will is. It's a confidence expectation that God will meet our needs. You know, faith is often that bridge that connects the provision of heaven to the needs of earth. You know, at our house in, in, where we live at home here, 
we have a plaque in our house and it says, let your faith be bigger than your fear. In the arena of praying for the sick, this is exactly what Jesus constantly encourages, both in his word and in his actions. He encourages us to let our faith be bigger than our fear. Here is one of the most common objections I hear when moving forward in faith. You might have thought this and you might have, I've even, I've thought this one, right? It's like, hang on a minute, isn't prayer something that the senior pastor does? Prayer for healing, isn't that something what the senior pastor does? Uh, I'm not qualified to do it, am I? But here's the deal. You are qualified to do it. You're qualified to pray for the sick because Jesus sends those who are Jesus followers, those who are following, Jesus sends those people to do it. It's in his word. And our faith for healing is in his sending or his calling of us to do it. See, Luke 9.1 says this, Jesus called his 12 followers and he gave them power and authority. So those who are followers, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And he told them, he said, hey, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, not even an extra shirt. So they set out and they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. That's what Jesus' followers do. So when it comes to faith for healing, we need to understand that Jesus has the authority. The work of the enemy and all its forms, including disease, sickness, and even death, hold no authority or power over Jesus. And when the Son of God sends us to heal the sick, then we have everything we need, guys. We don't need a bag. We don't need money. We don't need to pop down to Coles and get stuff. We don't need to be a certain age. No matter what your age you are, you can be someone who operates in this. And, you know, you don't have to have had a certain number of years of training. We just need to listen and obey and leave the results up to God because he sent us to do it. So if the question is, isn't prayer for the senior pastor or for, if for any reason you feel disqualified to do it, then as a disciple, as a Jesus follower, you need to understand that Jesus has given you power and authority, the word says. You are qualified because the one who has the authority to do so has sent it to you to do it. Now, this is a bit unsettling, even possibly a little bit scary because if you once were invited to church and you kind of put your hand up and said, yep, I want to follow Jesus, if you said that he's my Lord and Saviour, then this includes you. It's a little bit unsettling because we are moving from being a spectator to a participant. But also this is exciting. It's exciting because he chose us to release the kingdom of God on earth. He chose us to do it. And I find it's areas like this in our life where we are kind of like maturing in our faith, where we are being stretched that give a real substance and a real meaning to our faith. This is the one of those areas that we are not just believing but we are choosing to follow. So putting this into practice, when you pray for healing, make sure you pray in faith and don't doubt. Pray with eager expectation and unwavering assurance that God is with you. He is listening to your prayer and he will respond. All right, principle number five. We're almost there, guys. Lay hands on the sick. Put your hands up like this. 
lay hands on the sick. The Bible says that healing power came out of Jesus and healed the sick. In Luke 16, 19, it says, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming out of him and he healed them all. Jesus is in us today. And when we lay hands on the sick, the power of the Holy Spirit and the virtue of divine healing is released to heal the sick. When we lay hands and pray for the sick, miracles happen. And that is why Jesus said, these signs will accompany those that believe. In Mark 16, 18, he says, this is what the signs are going to accompany those who believe. He says, they will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Luke 4, verse 40, it says, at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying hands on each of them, he healed them. So when we're putting this into practice, it's obvious. When you pray, lay hands on the sick person. But you need to do it with the understanding that God gave you healing hands. Believe that the power of the Holy Spirit will be released and flow to heal the sick person, just like it happened to Jesus on earth. So there's two quick things I just want to mention on this, and that is only lay hands, obviously, on an appropriate part of the body. If you're unsure, then simply place your hands on their shoulder. The second thing is if you're unable to lay hands due to COVID restrictions and, you know, they're outside the 15K zone and all that kind of thing, God is bigger than that. He's able to heal over Zoom, Skype, or even as Paul did, sending handkerchiefs and aprons out in Acts 19.12. But where you can do it, lay hands. Principle number six, cast out the spirit of infirmity. So on several occasions, Jesus healed the sick by removing demonic spirits. And it's interesting that Jesus actually named these demonic spirits according to their destructive action or what they were doing. So in Mark 9, 25 to 27, Jesus used the expression deaf and mute spirit, which means that diseases can be caused by direct action of demonic spirit. But even though these evil spirits are real, there's no need for us to fear, guys. The Bible teaches us that Jesus of Nazareth has full authority over the power of darkness and he gave all believers power to defeat the kingdom of darkness. In the name of Jesus, we can actually cast out. So let's talk about how we can put this into practice. When you pray for a sick person, cast out the spirit of infirmity. So an example of that is if you're praying for a deaf person, you can say, deaf spirit, I command you to leave now. In the name of Jesus, come out. Now, a tip for beginners is that if you're doing this, for, you know, bring someone with experience when you're starting out doing this. Principle or tip number seven is pray with spiritual authority. Often Jesus' prayers for the sick were very short and were a command. A prayer of command is spoken with spiritual authority. For example, in Luke 7, 11 to 17, when Jesus raises a widow's son from the dead, imagine that, raising someone from the dead, he said, young man, I say to you, get up. The command prayer is by far the most used type of prayer to minister healing in the New Testament, but unfortunately it's the least used today. Here's a couple of examples. Jesus healed the man with a shriveled hand by commanding him to stretch out your hand in Matthew 12, 13. 
Peter ministered healing to the paralytic man at the temple gate by saying, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk in Acts 3.6-7. Again, Peter ministered healing to Aeneas, a paralytic man in Lydia, saying, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat in Acts 9.34. And Paul ministered healing to a man that was lame from birth. Could you imagine that, being lame from birth? And he said, stand up on your feet in Acts 14.10. So... In the name of Jesus, like Peter and Paul and those who follow Jesus, we are given authority to speak to circumstances and diseases and call miracles into existence. So how do we put this into practice? Whenever you pray for healing, speak to the problem in faith and give a word of command just as Jesus and his disciples did. Speak to the body part that is sick and exercise authority in the name of Jesus, commanding that part to be restored to perfect health. For example, you can say, deaf ear in the name of Jesus, open and start hearing now. So you're speaking to it. Principle eight, it's the last one, guys. Um, this is going to be cool, right? Principle eight, put faith in action. Now, most of those who were healed in the New Testament and in our days receive their miracle when they put faith in action. That is, when by faith they begin to do what they couldn't do before. So in Acts 10, 14, when Paul commanded the lame man in Listeria to stand up, he commanded him to take action. The man did not wait for someone to pick him up, nor did he expect something to feel different, but he simply jumped up and began to walk. So he put his faith in action and received a great miracle. Now, whenever you put Whenever you pray for healing, I want you to encourage the person receiving prayer to put their faith in action by doing what they could not do before. So invite them to kind of test it out, right? Now, it's equally important that we do this with love and compassion. And a word of caution here is never force or coerce someone and respect their level of faith of each person that we're praying for. So let's put, how do we put this into practice? When you finish the prayer for healing, tell the person receiving that prayer to do what she or he couldn't do before. For example, if the issue is a pain in the arm, say, raise your, if the issue is, you know, your arm, say, raise your arm in the name of Jesus. If the pain was in the leg or something like that, then move your leg in the name of Jesus. You can say, you know, for certain things, it's like, oh, on a scale of 1 to 10, what was what was the pain before we prayed for it? And then on a scale of 1 to 10, what's the the um, pain level after that we prayed for it? And, the, you know, you can um, see what's going on by putting faith into action in this way. All right, guys, so those are the eight tips. Now, always remember, praying for healing is being led by the Spirit. It's very likely we won't need to apply all those tips in one go. Rather, as the spirit leads, we might only need to apply one or two. Remember, it's not a formula. It's us following the lead of God. We don't heal. Jesus does. Healing, you know, we don't create theories or rules out of what doesn't happen, okay? Healing is not about, oh, it didn't work that way, so I'm going to change the way I go out. It's not a formula, but we are focusing on what God is doing and we're leaving the outcomes to him. Praying for healing is usually brief and often it's a one-liner. Praying for healing is not an invitation to judge others or, you know, give people medical advice. It's an, op it's an opportunity for us to pray. That's what we're doing. 
Now, here's a critical one. When the healing comes, praise God and do it passionately. Celebrate in adoration and praise the source of the healing for that miracle. Share the story with others. As Pastor Matt has taught us many times, testimony is do it again. And telling others opens up the door for more miracles. So just before I hand it back to Julie, in closing, today my invitation was for you to have an open heart and mind to understand and believe how God could use your life to be a channel or a conduit for his extraordinary miracles and bring relief to those who suffer. I hope today you have been encouraged and I want to say you can do this. I know you can be that conduit. I know that because Jesus is inside of you, he can. You just follow his lead. Thanks, guys.